Good morning, Cross Point. Hope you guys are doing well, and thank you for joining us this day after Christmas Day. I pray that each of you had a, a great Christmas with friends and family celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So kids, I see as you're already making your way to the back, my beautiful daughter is back there to take you back to uh, class today. And for the rest, if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 52, that today, as you heard during the lighting of the candles, we're celebrating the final week of Advent. And as you heard, like we began in the first week of December talking about hope, that, that if you would visualize hope like an, an anchor, anchoring us to the rock of God's character of faithfulness, that, that, that hope is at anchor, but sometimes we can treat hope like just optimism, the sails of our life being pushed to and, and, and fro by the winds of our circumstances, but in reality, hope is a, a foundation that's beneath our feet that helps us stand firm on who God is despite the raging winds around us. The second week was that of, of peace, uh, of this inward stillness, peace not just being the absence of storms in our life, not just peace as being there's nothing bad going on, but peace being the reality that in the complexities of life there is a shalom, there's completeness, wholeness within that helps us continue to stand on hope despite the circumstances. And then last week was faith freely receiving this gift of peace and wholeness that only God can bring, that we can't earn it, we can't strive after it, we can't force this to happen. It is something that God in His mercy has purchased through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and offers to us as a free gift. And so standing on His faithfulness, we stand before God with empty hands before a holy God to receive the gift that only He can give. This is where we've been. And today we're looking at joy. Now here's the thing, I feel like every week I've said a similar thing. Like there's the world's definition of joy, right? And then there's biblical joy. There's two different worldviews of how we see these themes. And in reality, I just, to see what the definition would be, typed into Google, what is joy? The definition that appeared was this, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. That's joy. That is not what we're talking about with biblical joy. Biblical joy, it's unique. It's very different than that. It's more than just a feeling. It's more than just a great pleasure that leads to happiness. It's more than a, a fleeting moment. It's something that goes deeper. And, and to be honest, I think we need to hear that this morning. When we talk about joy of the season, we even think about Christmas, the, the season that we've, we, we're just coming out of celebrating, right? For many, Christmas, it's a time of, of great joy. It's celebrating that the first Christmas with a new child, the first Christmas as husband and wife. But for others, it's also a moment of, of loss, of remembering past losses and those who we once celebrated Christmas with and who are no longer with us. Present losses. Their sorrow. For many, gathering together with family is, is this joyous reunion. And for others, it's this emotional marathon that you just try to survive. 
This is the, the reality. And then we think about the past two years. What we've been through. And what does joy mean in light of that? What does it mean that we're on the last Sunday and next Sunday is going to be the start of a brand new year? What does 2022 have for us? What does joy look like as we look to the unknown? Will it be better? Will it be worse? What's going to happen? And it can be overwhelming. In the biblical cause that it's possible to have joy through it all. That this is the biggest difference between biblical joy and I would say the world's definition of joy that just says it's a circumstance. It's a moment that brings you momentary happiness. That what God is offering us and what I want us to see and feel and hear this morning is there is something much deeper beneath the circumstances where joy can exist and be present with and in the midst of heartache and sorrow. And so I want to pray for our time this morning because we need this. I need this. Like even in, in preparing this sermon, I've preached on joy before. I've studied joy before. I know what it means. But entering this week, I told my wife, I don't feel very happy. And I need to preach on joy on Sunday. And her response to me was what you would assume. Well, you know joy and happiness are different, right? And I do. But I don't always feel it. <laughs> like I need to be reminded of it. And you might be like, yeah, 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 I know they're not the same. But I still think that it's, it's needed to remind our hearts of what joy is, what we can have, what we're called to, what we're invited into in this moment. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray that as we open it this morning, there are those who are here and it's, there's been this joyous moment of celebrating family and friends. And it has been days and leading up of just celebration. And for others, there's been a weightiness to this season. There's been heartache mixed with happiness. And so Lord, I pray that in this moment here this morning, that you would meet us. Lord, that, that you would speak and you would bring peace to the innermost places of our life this morning. And in Jesus' name, amen. I want to dive back into Psalm 52, what you heard read as we lit the candle of, of joy this morning. But before we do, I also want us to see that biblical joy is a theme that runs throughout Scripture. Like even from Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, He said it was good. When He created man, He said it was very good. He displayed His, his pleasure, His goodness, and, and, and we see that. And, and, and the Scripture talks about having joy in God's creation. When you see the colors of a sunset painted across the sky and you step back and you say, isn't that beautiful? There's that momentary aspect. When you stand at the base of a sequoia tree out west and see its majesty and its grandeur, and you're like, God made this from a seed. That's amazing. There's moments that we see celebrated throughout the Bible. We see weddings celebrated, children celebrated, a glass of wine celebrated, good friends celebrated. There are these moments that we have of joy that are talked about. But what I, I absolutely love about the Bible is that it also talks about the hard moments. 
it doesn't hide it. It doesn't just seek to cover it up like a band-aid and just say, hey, just smile, be glad, turn that frown upside down. It actually talks about the brokenness, the sin, the selfishness, the pride, the injustice, death, and loss becoming part of life because of sin. But the reality is, is sometimes the weight of those realities, the weight of brokenness that we see in the world begins to overshadow and consume those momentary aspects of joy. And life isn't all unicorns and rainbows. The Bible doesn't ignore these moments. It speaks into it. And if there's anything about joy this morning, that there's this one theme I want us to see, and I want to like highlight in three different ways this same point, that God enters our brokenness. He doesn't just cover it up. He enters our brokenness to bring joy. That joy is not just this surface, this band-aid over these, this deep brokenness. Biblical joy speaks to the core of who we are. Think about what we read. If you will, look at uh, Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 9. What you heard read earlier. This, th- this thing that, that we can read, and in some ways we can almost take it out of context. And we say, isn't this just saying, be happy and sing for joy? In verse 7, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of, of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord of Zion. Break forth together into singing. You waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And we hear that. And then you might say, but I don't feel that. Sing for joy. Does it even understand the situation we've been in? Does it even know my story of what it's calling us to lift our eyes up to the mountains? Good news of happiness. Who publishes peace? Does he even know what we've been through? Yes. If you go back to verse 2 of chapter 52, and it says, shake yourself from the dust and arise. The people have been beaten down, stepped on, kicked. They are down on the ground and in the dust. It says, continuing in verse 2, loose the bonds on your neck. They They have been hauled off into slavery by the Babylonians taken captive, sold for nothing, it says in verse 3. They've been taken from their homeland. They were defeated, beaten down, alienated, and alone. This was their place. And God says, but, but lift your eyes. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of Him who bring good news. Lift your eyes above the circumstances at your feet. Look above what is surrounding you, what is consuming your vision. Lift your eyes to the mountain. 
above the chaos, above the uncertainty, above the fearful news headlines as to what's next, and look to the one who has spoken, and look to the one who continues to speak today, echo of a voice that we continue to hear and proclaim. Lift your eyes and behold how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news. Lift your eyes and listen with your heart. The one who speaks, it says, publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says, your God reigns. Don't just listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. Do you hear what's being proclaimed? It's being heralded. It's being proclaimed, heard, listened. God speaks and proclaim and we listen and receive. That is the heart behind this word that He publishes peace. It is both being proclaimed and it is being heard. Listened to at a heart level. The world is in chaos. God proclaims peace. Fear and sorrow fill the headlines, but God brings good news of joy. The world is each trying then to, to redefine what brokenness is, call it wholeness. But God is saying, He's proclaiming redemption and restoration that can only be found in Him. Listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. There's joy in the wilderness. And here's what I love about, so you have Isaiah. He said, look, loose the, the bond around your neck. Stand up from the dust. Faithfulness is approaching. But he gives this reminder to trust in God's future faithfulness. He's saying, look at his past faithfulness. Remember how God has been faithful in the past. God has already done what I am telling you He is about to do. And we see this in verse 4. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. He's calling them to remember how they were once slaves before, and God has freed them. How God worked faithfully in the past. And to look to His past faithfulness in their present moment of darkness. To remember Israel was suffering in Egypt in slavery for 430 years. And God raised up Moses. A messenger whose voice proclaimed freedom for the captives, who spoke the Word of God. Let my people go. And Pharaoh didn't want to listen, so the hand of God moved with might and freed the people of God. And through Moses, God led the nation into freedom. And so there's this moment right, where they cross the Red Sea. They're standing in the midst of the, the wilderness. They look to their past, and it is marked by 430 years of slavery. They, they look to the future, to a homeland that is promised, but they cannot see. 
They don't know how they're going to get there. They don't know where they're going. They just know what God has promised. And in the moment, in the wilderness, what do they do? They rejoice with great joy, it says. They sing for joy, vulnerable, uncertain as to what the future holds, knowing what the past has held for them, and yet they sing. It says, the Lord caused His people to leave with joy, His chosen ones with shouts of joy. In a video, the the Bible Project calls this joy in the wilderness by saying that this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. Do you hear that? In what joy is, joy is not determined by present struggles. It is determined by the faithfulness of God and His purposes. What He declares to be true about our future. And now the prophet Isaiah to a people who's standing there, looking, who will be taken into slavery, who will be beaten down, sold for nothing. And he's like, lift your eyes from the circumstances that surround you and fix them on the one who is promised, who will bring good news of great joy. And that's what we celebrate. Like this is what Christmas is all about that on the night when Christ was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds who were out in the field about their routine under the, the cover of darkness and an angel appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And Luke 2 tells us, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, behold, I bring you good news of great, great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is the one who was promised who would would come. This is what Jesus declares of himself when he stood up in the synagogue And he read from Isaiah 51, and when he was done, he says, today I'm telling you, this passage has been completed in your hearing. When he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And he says, today this was fulfilled in your hearing. It is Christ upon whose feet carried that message of good news, of great joy in Himself. This is what we celebrate with the fifth and final candle. And so I do need somebody's help. Because thanks to the Palmas, who had the Christ candle in their car, 
because I forgot to bring it. Would you mind, Becca? So if you would take one of these lighters and light the middle candle. This represents the Christ candle. <laughs> Does it work? Do you want to use the other one? That works too. Good job. Thank you. Thank you very much. That it is this hope. And I said it at the beginning, like in the darkness we experience in the world of brokenness, a light has shone. My hope is the symbolism is that it goes brighter and brighter until we see its fullness experienced and known through the proclamation of Jesus Christ. That hope is found in Christ. Peace, faith, joy are found in Christ. In no other means. And it's this one key aspect that for me, this season has marked joy more than anything else. Joy can can be multifaceted. There's many aspects that we could, could highlight. But I think what has stood out to me the most this season is that God entered our brokenness. Because see, if we look at, at, at worldly joy, right, it insists on pleasant circumstances to make us happy. Right? And so what do we do? We push down those emotions we don't like, those feelings that they're not joyful. <laughs> so let's bury them beneath pleasant circumstances. And, and let's, let's take another vacation to forget all the hard things. Let's have another drink so I don't have to think about these things that make me uncomfortable and that hurt. And we try to convince ourselves that, no, I'm not really broken. No, this doesn't really hurt. This is a good thing. But all the while, as we try to show others this surface of calm, There is an undercurrent of brokenness that pushes and pulls on our affections. This internal storm of brokenness that is not healed, it's not dealt with through these momentary experiences of what the world would call joy. And I don't know about you, but then what what starts to happen, the older I get, is the pain of life starts to accumulate. And there's not enough vacation. There's not enough to get away from. And it starts to just pile up. And if it's not dealt with, it's going to come out. The fleeting moments of joy become less and less the older you get. And I'm becoming more and more convinced of that but godly joy is Jesus entering the deepest waters of our brokenness. And He speaks peace to those raging undercurrents that push and pull on our affections. And He restores to wholeness those areas of hidden brokenness and pain that nobody else can see. That's where he comes in and he brings peace and joy. 
And it doesn't matter. The circumstances that are on the surface of our life cannot overwhelm or overshadow the joy that we have in Christ because He is present in those deepest, most innermost parts. He has spoken peace and redemption and restoration and joy there. This is biblical joy. This is the joy that, that, that as we end one year and we look into another year, that I want us to call us to, I want us to invite us to, this is the kind of joy that God is offering. Not just a momentary joy. But how do we know this is true? Like, is this really true? Is this really what God has for us? And the whole point is this is what we celebrate at Christmas. Isn't it? This is the whole message of God entering into our brokenness in the incarnation of Christ, God being born as an infant, that God being the one who created us, who created and said it's very good, who watched the world be broken because of his creation's rebellion against him, but who did not just stand off and say, man, you really got yourself in a pickle, didn't you? I'll pray for you. Good luck. Here's a beautiful sunrise. Be blessed. Like, really? No. Think of what it says in in Philippians 2. He didn't just stand off. He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled Himself in the midst of our broken world, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. If you ever doubt that God desires to bring joy to those deepest areas of your brokenness. Remember His birth. Because that is testimony that God was willing to enter into humanity's brokenness to bring healing, to bring joy, to bring restoration. That is the ultimate declaration for us to hold on to. And it's here here at the deepest depths of our pain that Jesus entered into, suffering the sin of others and then breathing His last breath, giving up His life for you and me to bring the ultimate peace and redemption to our brokenness. But what does it mean Like, what started this whole thing in my mind is this phrase that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. This is in the New Living Translation is how it says that. In the, the ESV it says, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Think about the reality of this. Sorrowful, heart aches, The Bible never calls us to bury our emotions. To say, don't feel pain. Don't feel that. That emotion is bad. That's not emotionally healthy and it is not biblically necessary. That is not how God deals with our pain. To just say, push it down and put a smile on your face and deal with it. Often the best thing we can do is to acknowledge our emotions, our pain, our brokenness before God and not hide it. 
because this is the very place that God wants to enter to bring his healing. That in that heartache, in that brokenness, in that full of sorrow, yet joyful. These two things are not opposites that cannot exist together, but we see in the Apostle Paul them existing together. This is why I say it doesn't matter the circumstances that may cause you momentary sorrow. There is deep and abiding joy, yet always joyful, always rejoicing, yet we always have joy, always. Because joy is not an emotion of happiness. Joy is the awareness of God's presence in His purpose. If I was to say what joy is, it is to know that that, that at your lowest moment in life, God is present there. When you thought you were all alone, when you thought nobody else knew the, the pain you carried, in that deepest sorrow, in the deepest heartache, joy is saying God was there. He was weeping with me as I wept. He was present with me in my sorrow. He was present in my brokenness. The brokenness I brought on myself, the brokenness that others have brought upon me because of their sin, God was present. That is joy. Because we know that God has a purpose. And I don't just mean all things work out for those who love Jesus and just be optimists. I'm sorry all these bad things happen to you, but God's going to use them for good. Because sometimes we never see that good. Sometimes it's not defined as good by our own definitions of good. But it is to say God does have a purpose and He does have a plan. He has a destiny, a future for us. As children of God, called to a better country, it says in in Hebrews 11, a desire for a better country, a heavenly one, an eternal home where there are no tears. And so I see ourselves as believers in this moment, like the Israelites standing in the wilderness, looking back at their past of brokenness and sin, having been freed from it, but not yet home. Not yet where God is calling us to be. Not yet to that better country. Not yet to that eternal home. And so in this moment, in this wilderness, there is the call and the invitation, will we sing with joy? Because God is present. He has freed us. And He has a purpose in the future. And so in this moment, standing in whatever desert I find myself, I will praise and I will rejoice because my God is faithful and I will trust Him. That is biblical joy. So how do we get it? Right? There's part of me, I'm like, I want this. This. Like I preach to myself this because when I'm standing in the desert, I'm not thinking, hey, I feel, I'm loving this. There's moments in in life where I'm like, I don't like any of this. I don't want to have to deal with this right now. I don't feel happy. And yet there is this call that in that very moment, in that very feeling, God is present. And so how do I remind my heart of this truth? 
I think it's needed as we think of the past years, as we think of the coming years, as you think as to what you're going through right now. The clearest definition of where does joy come from, I believe, is found in Galatians 5. And this is how I want to close this morning. That joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, through 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. They have been crucified with Christ and no longer live. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That my greatest encouragement to, is to abide. Abide in Christ. It is Him who produces joy in us. I cannot stand staring at my feet in my circumstances and no joy. All I see is the brokenness. But when I lift my eyes above my circumstances and I fix them upon Christ, the one who has proclaimed good news, when I abide in His Word and I remember what He has said is true, when I remember what He has done, what He has promised to do and who He is, then I have joy. It is a byproduct of abiding in Christ. It is not something I can produce in myself. And so the question as we enter this new year is how will you abide in Christ this coming year? What does that look like? There are ways that that for me, one of the things I've been convicted of is Scripture memory that my wife and, and I are doing together each week. Because I need to be meditating on these things. I need to be reminding myself, not just to memorize Scripture, but so I'm meditating on it differently. I think it means being in community. Because sometimes, when, when I'm going through really hard times, I have a hard time remembering what's true when I'm so surrounded by circumstances. I need others to be able to look in and say, don't remember. Remember these truths. Remember who God is and what He's done and what He has promised. I need people to help me lift my eyes. That we're not called to do this alone. The question is, and I pray you feel the need and desire for joy in your life. And to know the invitation is there to experience it as we abide in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You. I thank you for your word and I thank you that Lord there's a simplicity to Christmas a baby laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths there's there's moments when this nativity scene is almost in my own mind it's oversimplified it's childlike and yet there is this profound exclamation point that you are declaring that you would enter your creation that we broke to bring us healing. Lord, that you would enter, take upon yourself humanity,
to live a perfect life that each and every one of us failed. That you would voluntarily lay down your life for us to bring healing and restoration. Lord, what can we say but thank you? Help our hearts to abide in your truth. To remember your past faithfulness and in our present realities to hold fast to your promises and purposes that you have for us. Lord, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.